very good. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a weekly horror movie podcast hosted by me, Billy Schultz. Every week, we watch a different horror movie and discuss our thoughts around it. And I am joined by two of my best friends in this entire world, <laughs> Alex Wan and Luke Mason. Good morning, Alex. How are you doing? Good morning. That's a... Uh... That's quite the intro. My God. <laughs> I practiced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing I'm doing good. I just realized my lights are turned off. So this is natural lighting on my face right now. Oh, uh, not, nothing fake about this. Hashtag no filters. No prosthetics. No yeah. um, filters. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing at all. Well, you look great. You're Thanks. glowing. The listeners are truly missing out by not. Us, us not videoing these podcast episodes <laughs> are they <laughs> i don't know they just see me sweating listen listener you're not you're not missing out because you don't want to be a watcher <laughs> fair enough that's only for you know buffy summers's boss anyway i'm also joined by luke mason how you doing luke well i'm a little bit hungover today and a little bit sun exhausted from yesterday so I actually feel like I could be a lot worse than I feel, given all that, mm. but I could also feel a lot better than I do, so eh, like in the middle. How much water did you drink? <laughs> yeah, enough Like, I drank a lot, and I had, there was Gatorade powder too, so I had Gatorade and water all day, but- Yeah, you, know, you just ate and snorted Gatorade powder? <laughs> Spoonfuls yeah, of Gatorade just, powder. <laughs> definitely snorted it. I actually um, oh, did yeah. some uh, bum shots of it too, so getting the bloodstream even faster. <laughs> so, but you're so hydrated, yeah, still tired, and so fast. Yeah, I imagine how how worse off you'd be though if you hadn't done those, totally as you say bum shots. <laughs> yeah, this is not financial advice, but definitely do butt shots of Gatorade if you ever can. It goes right to the bloodstream. And what kind of bill should you use? <laughs> what kind of bill? Yeah. For the butt shots? Yeah. Or unless you're, 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 you're going use straight a funnel. to the butt. Yeah, you, use the butt. A, yeah. you obviously use like a... I would recommend an unused oil funnel. <laughs> Damn, you got a big nostril, huh? Well, you just need that <laughs> No, extra... he's talking about butt shots. <laughs> he's not talking about snorting it anymore. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, butt shots. I thought you were talking about snorting it off someone's butt. Oh, no, no, no. Like straight through the, <laughs> okay. straight through the sphincter. Okay. <laughs> No, it's all I'm uh, saying is I, I wasn't gotta, thinking. My apologies. you got don't you got if you open a door you got to be willing to walk through it you know. God, I guess so. Even if it is a back door. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we are going to talk about a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting past that one. So yeah, we watch a movie every week, and we're going through a little bit of a Canadian tour these these last few weeks in July, and it's my turn to pick, and I have chosen for us to watch. The 2000 film, or 2001, it's around that time, turn of the millennium film, werewolf movie called Ginger Snaps, which I I picked it because I knew it was a werewolf movie, I knew that it was Canadian, and I knew that it was unique in that it was, like, female-led, and mostly, like, lady cast. So, yeah, that was what I knew before going into it. I didn't know anything about it, and... I was not prepared for the movie that we watched, but <laughs> Luke, when I when I suggested this movie, you laughed, I think, out loud both times. So, what had you known about this movie to in elicit such a reaction? <laughs> well, like you, I had heard about it 
when it came out, I remember it being a movie some people would talk about in high school sometimes that they had seen. But I was I chuckled mostly because friend of the show Danica had this was a movie she watched a lot as a teenager. And even just, I think, a month before you picked it for us to watch, she told me that she watched, she started watching it again for nostalgia's sake, watched the first 10 minutes or so and turned it off <laughs> oh, because no. it was so bad. <laughs> like, even she was admitting that she just couldn't handle it anymore and turned it off. And so she I did like, message me and said that she was going to watch it with you, possibly. She did. did, that, did she that did. Okay. And honestly, Sweet. it was pretty, I, I was glad she was there. It was therapeutic for me. I should get her in on the call. Have her, have her way in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was... What what's the term you use, Alex? I was not even mystic. I think I was I was pessimistic without the P, I think. I was essimistic about okay. the experience. So just when you picked it, I chuckled. And like I don't even think I knew it was specifically werewolf based. I think I would have thought it was a dog. Because uh, I'd never seen it. I just know that Ginger Snaps is a famous joke about a dog. It's like I have a dog named Ginger. Does Ginger bite? No, Ginger Snaps. Ha 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 eat my cookie oh. kind of thing a famous right? joke you say <laughs> yeah a famous joke <laughs> famous it was in a joke, joke. <laughs> it was it was in a joke i it was in a joke book i read once so it was pretty famous always oh, one of those like 501 <laughs> jokes yeah. about dogs that you find at the bookshelf so i would have guessed it was about a dog or a rabid dog and it's not really that far off so yeah i didn't i didn't know any of the details of the plot other than knowing it was something that i'd really only ever heard teenage girls talk about so mm. that's what i knew mm-hmm. all right what about you alex what did you know about ginger snaps going in not too much i knew it was uh i knew i didn't know it was canadian and it was talked about more in the early 2000s haven't really heard anything about it recently. I would argue it's more of a lycanthrope movie than a werewolf movie, but we can argue that later. Um, what, what? What's the difference? Do you tell me. I thought lycanthropes were werewolves. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Is there a substantive difference between the two? I, I don't know. If there is, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. Alex is oh. just here to instigate things. Like <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> well, like lycanthrope is just maybe a more fun word to say. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I feel like it was said a bunch in this movie at the start because they banked on people not knowing what lycanthrope was, and if the mm-hmm. guy, had, this is spoiler for after the trailer, but if the guy had said werewolf, it would have revealed its hand too early. Maybe I don't know. Right. But also, do you it think... wasn't really keeping his cards close to his chest at all. <laughs> I wonder if do you think the first ever werewolf porno is called Lycan Deepthrope? Maybe. <laughs> but if it's not, <laughs> you you can. You have a great basis to start your plot. Right. <laughs> Come on, Luke. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure the prosthetics have gotten even better this oh, year. Yeah, like by this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. True. Oh my gosh. So yeah, any anything else that you knew before going no, in? No. Not really. Wasn't like excited, but wasn't like, oh no, we have to watch this. I like to keep an open yep. mind here, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, and I guess yeah, that's that's pretty much what we what we knew going in. I'll save everything for the second half, but uh, we will spoil this movie once you hear the trailer. So go in knowing that. And in terms of 
uh, trigger warnings for does the dog die.com i i wrote a note that said like every dog in this movie dies so yeah, like are, if, are any dogs alive.com <laughs> do any dogs survive.com check that out if any dogs survive this movie no they don't there's also a trigger warning there's like quite a lot of stuff right up front that is very graphic depictions of death and self-harm and and suicide and stuff it's all staged but it's still pretty confronting uh for the first 10 minutes of this movie and well you know we'll we'll, we'll talk about it but what a film all right here is the trailer for two sisters together forever united against life as we know it with an appetite for the macabre i'm slitting my throat you should definitely hang all it takes is one night and one bite. Let's get out of here. What was it? A big dog, maybe? Did I change last night? How would the moon... changing how do you feel wicked they're just being normal teenage girls I'm not dying. when you're ready ginger snaps is a 2000 canadian supernatural horror film directed by john fawcett who also co-wrote the film with karen walton it stars Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel. Two death-obsessed sisters, outcasts in their suburban neighborhood, must deal with the tragic consequences when one of them is bitten by a deadly werewolf. Okay, I guess it is a werewolf. <laughs> or a lycanthrope. <laughs> They're the same thing. They are the same thing. Because <laughs> lycan is wolf. Like, it's lycan is some, I don't know, Greek or latin or something okay spell wolf with the words like with the letters lichen if it's the same thing Uh, it's got a shared (laughs) don't take the bait billy don't take quit instigating yeah don't take the bait (laughs) not taking the bait he's he's leaving that yappy little dog out there for you to just go tear apart don't do it billy yeah yeah, shut up do it He wouldn't stop barking. Okay, so Ginger Snaps. So I'll start with my initial thoughts. And first off the bat, or I guess off the road hockey stick, I have to say mm-hmm. this is the most explicitly Canadian movie we've done for Canadian Horror Month. I know mm-hmm. last week was The Fly with David Cronenberg, and he was our Canadian link. But this one, like Ontario license plates, Canadian money, just like Canadian actors. This one is it was everything except having you know maple leaf flags everywhere like this was the most canadian lots of road hockey lots of road hockey lots of just a one character just always dressed in full hockey gear no matter what was even going skates on, like, on. <laughs> even with skates on <laughs> but with skate guards he was keeping yep. those blades nice and sharp yeah this movie was very cheesy i found it was very over the top it was so angsty you could you could feel the you know black eyeliner and you know, my chemical romance music pouring through every ounce of this movie. <laughs> and it was just, oh, it was, yeah, I can see why Danica would have like loved this as a teenager and then been like so embarrassed to have loved it growing up <laughs> and later on. But I don't know. It kind of won me over a little bit. 
and some of the effects I thought were pretty interesting. And it, even though I, I looked on the Wikipedia and it's actually supposed to be set contemporaneously from when it was shot. So it's supposed to be 2000, but this movie felt like it could have happened in 1978 or in the 80s and it would have been exactly the same because it didn't seem like there was that much modern day technology. I don't even think the kids had cell phones, if I'm remembering it, but we I don't, won't get into it. I don't think kids had cell phones in 2000. No, that's what I mean. Like, I don't oh, think yeah, we okay. saw any, Got like, it. overt examples of technology that mm. would have been in 2000. And maybe that was just like, hey, this is small town Ontario. And look how, <laughs> you know, look how tiny this town is and how sad everybody is and lots to talk about, though. So, Luke, why don't you give us your rundown of your initial thoughts? Hmm. Well, I think the most diplomatic way to put it is that this movie was made for a number of different demographic types, none of which I belong to. So I felt I honestly felt pretty like alienated from this movie. And it's possibly I, the worst <laughs> group of people to talk about this movie. <laughs> I I think the closest that I could relate to was having some angst as a teenager, but that element of this film was put on overdrive to a level that I think even me at age 16 would have raised my eyebrows at and been like, what the fuck is wrong with you drama queens type of attitude. So watching it now at 35, you know, it's like, okay. You know, honestly, it felt like a movie length version of a, of a really doubled down cw show like one of those one tree hill or uh type of movies just but on speed and cocaine all the while so it really wasn't that scary kind of like it tried to pretend like you couldn't see the werewolf which is crazy because that's like the only thing you would see because it's so huge (laughs) <laughs> a lot of selective <laughs> blindness in this yeah. movie and so i just kind of honestly danica and i just were like you know mystery science theater 3000 thing at the whole time so i think it would be a good movie for that type of format mm-hmm. too uh, i'm sure i wonder if maybe they have done that i don't know mm. and yeah i, I I'd say the strongest thing about it is that it made me, it reminded me, I don't know if either of you have seen the movie 13, which came out around this time as well, which is a more kind of straightforward, dramatic story about uh, young teenage girls getting into really horrible life experiences through bad decision making involving substance abuse and self-harm and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, to me, 13 is a much better treatment of these really difficult topics that this movie's just kind of skating over and quite cavalier about but yeah just again in the most diplomatic tone this movie was not for me it wasn't made for me i'm totally fine with that but it was pretty obvious that it wasn't made for me while watching it (laughs) sure (laughs) all right and what about you alex this movie was fucking sick i really liked it (laughs) nice i think it reminds me of every single one of those, you know, high school girl movies that I love so much. Uh, it remind like, and it, the great, like, I think the really impressive thing is that this came before all those movies. 
Um, mm-hmm. So maybe all those movies were influenced by this somehow, which I find even more like cool. So like it reminded me of Mean Girls. It reminded me of Jennifer's Body. Oh yeah, we got to do Jennifer's Body. Someday. Yeah, it reminded <laughs> me of like Get Smart. I, there was Book some Ladybird in this Book Smart. Yeah, Book Smart. It reminded me of like Ladybird a little bit, mm-hmm. but just in this really absurd kind of dark humorous way which i th- i think like i don't know i guess i would disagree with you luke in that i think it covered those kinds of adolescent puberty topics in a really smart and i thought it was an intelligent way and that made it fun and as well as like really poked a lot of humor at the way that adults treat kids and the way that adults think that they know everything, but in our minds, it's like, yeah, they do because they've gone through it, but then they, they've kind of put this in a way where it's like, it's so absurd in that, like, it's dealing with werewolves that the the adults really don't know what the kids are going through. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I just found a lot of things about this movie reminded me of other movies that I loved and it was like kind of campy but also really silly and oddly emotional towards the end Mm. with like lots of maybe it was like overt symbolism but i i I quite liked the connection of the two sisters and how it all linked back to to the two of them it was just a silly good time which i really liked (laughs) oh wonderful yeah i that's that's uh, thank you for sharing your your thoughts on it and alex you talk about how this is you know deals with topics around puberty just everyone going through puberty how that's such a weird scary time and i kind of really loved the idea of werewolfism and lycanthropy as a metaphor for puberty because you're right you know the parents are so excited that ginger is finally gets her period it's been three years or something since like she was supposed to start so she's like a late bloomer or whatever but her her first period coincides with getting attacked and turning into a werewolf and so this idea that like puberty is really hard and scary and and weird really struck out to me because I'll get I'll get a little bit of per- get a little bit personal on this podcast. I don't care, but I have to to date, and hopefully I don't get any more after this. But I've gone through two puberties, so that's uh, that's been fun. But you know, my first puberty was pretty frightening and scary, and I didn't really know what was going on. But everyone said puberty's weird and scary, and you feel weird, and so I was just like, okay, I must just be feeling weird. Um, for new listeners, I'm trans. I don't know if that comes across because of how i sound and you can't see how i look but so just like the idea of suddenly hair growing where there's not supposed to be hair and things being different and like emotions changing really struck out to me uh, really stuck out to me rather and werewolf werewolf as puberty werewolf as sexually transmitted disease i thought that was all really interesting to to delve into and i want to get a little bit more of your thoughts on that yeah me okay yeah like the metaphor is just so like obvious where it's like i think if i was like maybe a 50 60 year old person watching this who might be out of touch a little bit i'd be like well that's too obvious like that's not like that's not a good way to 
talk about this subject, but like, I don't know. I liked it. It it made it it made things so easy and like the absurdity of it makes kind of how society deals with puberty absurd in a way, right? And I think like one important thing to note is like everyone goes through it differently, right? Even they even touch upon it like the two sisters they're very late in having their first period. I guess just Ginger cuz I don't think Bridget had one, but yeah. Like, everyone goes through it differently, which which I thought was great. And then I think w- one of my f- favorite things about this movie is how they make the talk of, peer- like, having a period or to be so kind of taboo. And, like, oh, that's something we shouldn't talk about. Especially, like, the dinner scene with the dad. I thought that was such a great scene because I- I'm of the opinion that we should completely normalize this kind of conversation, right? Mm-hmm. The days of being, ew, someone got their period, or, like, joking about someone's time of month, or, you know, talking about how gross it is to have blood coming out. I think we are way past that. And, you know, this is kind of conversation that we should completely normalize because because it just makes it's sense. It's normal. Yeah. And it's a normal thing that happens. And I think the fact that they were able to kind of convey that, like how absurd dad was and how the complete polar (laughs) opposite mom was in the year 2000, I thought that was really smart of them. And just a great kind Mm. of observation on the way society was and possibly still is towards someone's changing body, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. goes through it. Mm -hmm. This should be something that is talked about at a very early age. I think another huge thing is that they should be educating boys about this stuff as well, right? So that, you know... Absolutely. There's so many just dumb stereotypes in this movie that just seem so obviously satire to me, right? It it feels Mm -hmm. like a writer's way of being like, this is how things are and it's stupid and we should change that. Which is what I really liked about this movie. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It it reminded me so much of the, the stupid kind of dumb stereotypes of these... (laughs) really good teenage high school movies like another movie this this made me like reminded me of was a easy a oh yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. i i yeah that that's my thoughts on it yeah i oh i just i thought it was so great just the the scene where they're in the nurse's office Mm, at, at school and the nurse is just like so cheerfully talking about what is going to happen with this period how it's gonna like what what the flow is going to be like and it was just like oh i can imagine so many people watching this and squirming so uncomfortably but it's like s- such a thing that like you know 50 percent of the population goes through every month and it's something that you're right alex has been behind closed doors and it's always been like you don't talk about that or make fun of it or make jokes about it and the fact that this came out in 2000 and it was you know working to erode that is admirable and i kind of wish that this movie had done better to maybe have shifted that conversation a little bit early because it's 2022 as we record this and i still know that there's people who won't talk about it or it's like so disgusting or i know people who if their partner would need tampons or pads they would have no idea what to get in the grocery store and like have no way of figuring it out and be like too embarrassed to ask and it's just like come on get over it (laughs) and then like one little scene I loved was when Jason like starts peeing out blood 
and then he's walking mm-hmm. through the hallways and there's this big red stain on his pants and he's like he's embarrassed by it he's covering up bridget looks down he's like my pen exploded okay like it's just a nice way <laughs> yeah. to flip it the other way you know like and yeah show that you know it's i feel like throughout history girls have been made fun of for having you know their period at school and like having a stain down there and you know mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies super bad like there's the exact scene like that but i i i liked how they just flipped it towards have like a guy having to experience that and having to experience the embarrassment and shame of people assuming right right yeah right. so i don't know like this movie was dumb and stupid but i think it it really resonated <laughs> with me in in those kinds of ways and i just thought it was really intelligent mm what about you, Luke? Anything you want to share from your thoughts? Or maybe if, if Danica, you talked about this scene that you have permission to <laughs> share as well. What uh, what have you got? I really should have got Danica on this episode. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, the kind of not even subtext, the text of this movie was about all of those puberty based, menstruation based, developing body based motifs. I guess I would just revert back to a movie i mentioned a little at the beginning the movie 13 and i uh, just in comparison i mean uh, this movie was too kind of stupid and slapsticky and the acting was really subpar for me to glean any kind of like high-minded deep insights into any of those elements the the technical and cinematic elements didn't mirror the themes so it just fell flat from like a my kind of film criticism point of view and then with so many of the characters feeling not even one dimensional it just it totally reminded me of 13 where like you really feel i think holly hunter is the mom like in that movie you feel her pain in a way that you just laugh at (laughs) the mom in this movie and shut up pamela what a great (laughs) mom what a great movie mom (laughs) because some of those other movies you mentioned alex like book smart and definitely 13 are so layered the performances are so heartbreaking or hilarious like you they're they're believable you you feel the kind of like deep human condition elements of that when i watch a movie like this it's just kind of like throwing a paint can at a wall and saying look at our (laughs) insights so that's i know that that's probably a bit snobbish of me but you know i can't help noticing what i notice in film so yeah it was all there but then it's like okay so is this supposed to be about a werewolf at all (laughs) like what are we supposed to i think i've talked about before about how if your themes don't mirror your plot it feels kind of like haphazard and we'll we'll get into the haphazardness of this plot (laughs) in due course and and just like oh that's convenient that the guy who hits the werewolf in his van seems to be the only person in this town who knows how to kill werewolves that's pretty lucky (laughs) And also, werewolves are easy as hell to kill. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it goes without saying that all of those themes are important and worth talking about. I I guess I would just say I don't I didn't find this movie a particularly compelling item Mm. in that genre in comparison to others. So, yeah, that's what I would say about it. All right. See, I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between Bridget or Beatrice? Because I kept calling her Beatrice. Bridget. Bridget. It's Bridget. Okay. Also, my Arrested Development jokes, I'll have to cross those out Uh, later. But anyway, yeah, so Ginger... Make yourself a note. (laughs) Make myself a note. (laughs) Ginger and Bridget, 
even though they were just they were angst personified they were like if yeah an avril lavigne lyric came to life it mm. was just i i really liked the relationship that they had even though if it was like objectively really fucked up like they bonded over this idea of making a death project video where there's so many different like film strips and slides and polaroids of them staging these gruesome horribly violent death scenarios and it was something that they did together and so it's like okay they have this really close relationship and they you know they're they're only they're they're ostracized by their peer group their parents don't understand what's going on their dad is completely disengaged from this family you know except for at dinner time and you know what the funny thing is dad was the only one that suspected something he's like i think they're up to something yeah (laughs) but she's like no honey you just think that (laughs) but even though that you know it was very very broad it was so so fucking broad the fact that these two girls had each other and then like puberty happens to one of them also a werewolf bite happens to one of them and then it like it starts to change and it's like kind of that that sort of coming of age thing where you outgrow your little sister you outgrow your like little siblings and that can be such a source of tension and just like throwing in this layer of she's turning into a werewolf and wants to kill people and it's so scary for bridget because she doesn't know what's going on and she just wants her sister back i thought that was you know pretty touching if if even if it was handled with the the hammiest of fists i will say some of those pictures and video reels reminded me of sinister some of the they really did hey super eight look of sinister Mm -hmm. the sinister deaths i was like whoa yeah it's kind of reminiscent so that was kind of cool and so the whole premise behind these horrible violent like death things again trigger warning for this like this part of the movie at the start but i guess it's it's a school project called life in bailey downs which is the town they live in i don't know if it's a real town in ontario but it doesn't really it's immaterial and so they're doing all these photos and tableaus for a school project that they then present to their class and it seems like they get the entire way through their slideshow before the teacher reacts and says like, wow, this is horrible and offensive. And I'm like, if you watched the first slide, you should be like, probably, probably going to shut this down. (laughs) We're going to talk in my office. Let's get like parents involved. But it seemed to me that like the teacher was like, okay, let's just see. Let's just see what happens. And at no point like stops. (laughs) Sometimes like people in charge, not to the fault of their own, but like, they sometimes freeze when these things happen, you know, like a slideshow. It's like, oh, this first slide, no. Second slide, uh, maybe we'll see where we go. And then by the end, you're like, all right, everybody, go home. You know, one event that clearly- <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Resonates I don't know with anything with about what you're talking about. a certain talent no, no, show no. that we all once witnessed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, also- Canadiana sidebar that counselor slash teacher was played by yes. uh, I think his name's Peter Kelligan or Kelligan and yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a he's a journeyman Canadian actor in many projects but to me I remember him most famously as the park ranger in um, the red green show so for the second time in oh, Canada yes. month yeah, we yeah, have yeah. a we have a red green character cameo in one of our movies 
And uh, he's just very funny. He's a very funny kind of deadpan Canada mm-hmm. humorist. Uh, with I his, remember with him his facial from... expressions. So, yeah. What is it? Made in Canada? I think there was like another TV yeah. show where he was like a he was like a TV actor uh, on mm-hmm. at like a Canadian studio. But you're right. He was in Red Green. He was yeah. the Forest Ranger. Yeah. Oh man, so, Red Green. Yeah. Uh, more <laughs> more Canadiana bona fides for this month. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. <laughs> So Canadian. I loved it. But yeah, and I thought that it was like you say that the plot kind of nonsense and it, it, it is and the characters are very sketchy because he's not only is he the teacher, but he's also the guidance counselor. And it's like they don't even have two adults in their school that they can go to. So it's just like, I don't know you. I guess you're Mr. Wayne. You're the you're the counselor, too. So, <laughs> yeah, small town. They don't have that many people. They got to they got to all wear different hats. <laughs> Yeah, they had, uh, it was a school of three adults. There was Mr. Wayne, there was the gym teacher, and then the the, the janitor. And the nurse. Oh, there four, was the nurse. Four too, adults. Four. And, like, <laughs> yeah. another thing that just, I guess it was kind of indicative of these early 2000s movies where they don't quite see, a lot of these movies, especially these teen movies, don't have adults with any kind of savvy or, or thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. But, like, if I were that teacher after that presentation, it's so overtly rebellious and transgressive on purpose to get a rise out of me that the last thing that it would do would get a rise out of me. You know, like, that's I'm giving them on a silver platter what they want if I do that. Mm. There's you don't there's obviously marginal cases and I want to tread lightly here, but. I think the, the context of these two characters, they're not like seriously dabbling with suicide they're just trying to give a big middle finger to all the normies in their life and that's like a different that's a different approach than wow that's disturbing let's go to my office and hash this out now right like right he he was just a big dummy about it and i was like dude dude have you never you're a teacher you you don't have you never had a conversation with a teenager before who's just trying to rub it in your face <laughs> right like that's teenager 101 what the fuck is wrong with you right it, it, they really did capture this idea of like they're teens now they've seen how the world is and they're not going to have any part of it and anybody who wants to go along with like the regular <laughs> world thing oh look at all these you know they they basically everything but said like look at all these sheeple and you know, exactly like it's just like this like sort of sense of I know that I'm going to make I'm going to be different and I'm going to be different than everybody around me as through adolescence, because it's it's a part of growing and changing and maturing and you find yourself. But, yeah, they definitely swing so hard against their, you know, upbringing because they have like a pretty decent, you know, they've got a nice big house in the suburbs. They've got food on the table. Their mom (laughs) is a weirdo craft lady who likes to, you know, match her sweaters to her earrings and has an insane hair routine at night that i don't know i don't know how she could get any sleep in it in that get up at all but just like yeah the idea of like teenage rebellion scaled up to not even 11 like forget it spinal tap like this one goes to 12 or 15 (laughs) (laughs) like it's just yeah so over the top i've used this metaphor before but it's like they're drawing the 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 two girls with that project and a lot of their attitudes towards other characters (laughs) in this movie they're like drawing a chalk outline on the ground and telling people to go lie down in it, and they're doing it. Right. 
and then taking a picture of it and yeah. posting it for their and school posting, projects. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's good. That's a good tie-in. There you go. Okay, so that kind of like segues into the the effects of everything. And there was a lot of effects in this movie. There was a lot of practical effects and physical effects and transformation effects. And I kind of want to get both of y'all's opinions on how those looked. And maybe I'll, I'll go back to you. Start with you, Luke. I mean, I think a lot of the physical effects before full werewolf were awesome. When it was full werewolf at the end, I was like a little bit like, uh, this feels like a, I, I can tell that this is about 20 years old kind of look of right. a monster. It actually reminded me of the Morlocks from the time machine, <laughs> the face. I was like, I wonder if it's the same studio and they just borrowed that face to go put on a different monster later. <laughs> oh, maybe. Because <laughs> that, that movie came out around that time too, maybe 2001. So yeah, the teeth looked great. I really liked how they manipulated Ginger's hair as she became mm-hmm. more that way. The blood was n- totally unbelievable, but just like there was so much blood and it was so, so thin. Was that they even made a joke about it being corn syrup or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, okay, well that's actually what it is in this whole movie. <laughs> so I, I yeah. thought that was kind of funny. So that was all good. The effects, yeah. I I had one other thought about it, but I can't remember. So I think the effects were probably in my, for me, they were the best part of this movie. Mm. I I did find my, uh, here's what it was. The cinema, I think that the director of photography and the director tried to use cinematography to aid the effect of the effects. And I found that a lot of the times the camera angles going from steady cam to handheld to circling around their face a la terry gilliam style filming was Mm. really off-putting like it was it was like i could the contrast between the filming styles were so glaring that i was like okay now they're like this movie's intentionally manipulating me to feel a certain way about what's going on right now and when that happens you get the second order like uh i've been pulled out when i when i notice something a movie's doing i'm pulled out of the narrative a little bit so i i i I just think they should have not done that so much with their cinematography because the effects themselves were quite you know impressive mm. yeah what about you alex what do you think about the the physical makeup and the prosthetics and stuff yeah i totally agree with you luke the final werewolf did not look particularly <laughs> great it just was very plasticky looking and it was yeah not at all <laughs> it had boobs well, I, I mean, that was, that was a nice touch to it, you know, like, right, like it's 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 a lycanthrope. It's not a werewolf. Uh, they're the same thing. <laughs> Completely different. I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> but yeah, every everything going up to the transformation was great. I think the very first re- tail reveal when when Ginger sleeping and, and Bridget like just like takes a glance. I was kind of I was like, oh, my God, what is that? But then afterwards, when the tail actually grows and they, it's so funny, like she tapes it to her leg. That looked a little weird. Not great. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was like definitely, okay, that's like not even Mm -hmm. close to being, pretending to be real. But yeah, a lot of the other things like the, uh, her, her scars on her shoulder where she was attacked, where it's like it healed, but then there's like hair growing out of it. That looked like the fly on his back with like the, the, the hairs growing out of that. When she's uh, shaving her leg in the tub and her mom walks in, there's like, there's this 
thing poking out of her ankle, which is so gross. It's like a little, yeah, a little dew claw or whatever. Yeah. Like a wolf. It's just like, 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 yeah, uh. I, I, that looked really good and was very gross. Like the dog corpses, obviously, like if you looked at it long <laughs> enough, it's not real. But the very yeah. first glance at it, it's so gross and shocking and there's guts and, and, and like intestines. It's like, oh, someone definitely spent a lot of time making those. Yeah, and then just, like, kind of, like, back to the fly, like, Ginger's slow transformation was really cool, because it was, like, really mm-hmm. subtle shit, and then as the movie went on, it, it it went more and more until, like, at the end, at the party with Sam, like, she looks not human anymore, and then as she walks <laughs> forward, like, you see her, like, wrinkly lycanthrope abs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just the slow transformation of it was really cool, and it made it even more effective the unfortunate part was the final transformation looked really bad but everything else i, I really liked mm. yeah i love the subtle sort of makeup that they added to her and the prosthetics and there's like there was like one point where it was like part way through the the sort of month where she's like had been bitten and like or attacked and like is transforming and it's like they they built up the ridge on her nose a little bit and she had these little cutouts where her eyes went in that like just like changed the shape of her eyes a little bit and i was like oh that's like something's something's changing she looks different and like yeah her her hair was you know going from weird streaky 2000s extensions to and highlights to full silver hair that she ends up with and i thought that she looked a lot like the vampires from buffy at the end when she's at the greenhouse party before she fully transforms into the werewolf, but it, it gave me like those vampire faces from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and just the fact that her teeth are slightly pointed, pretty much right away, and it's it's just like these little, little touches. It was it was really good, and I, I don't know, I the the animatronic that was the werewolf, like with the face, and you could see all the motors moving the little parts around. It was pretty cheesy, but of the two we've done two werewolf movies now i think this one is better than the technology from an american werewolf in london well that one was like a that looked more like werewolf a werewolf movie and this one was a lycanthrope mm. movie and right this is our first lycanthrope movie but like... yeah <laughs> luke you fell for it how dare you how dare you betray me <laughs> lycan or not you got to eventually <laughs> see this is what we're talking about Alex instigates and Luke's a troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a little bit better than the American Werewolf in London one. And even though, yeah, it was like this weird hairless werewolf with just like a mane and like the the skin was all weird. I, I got big right at the very end when Bridget is resting her head on Ginger's side and the, the rib cage is just moving up and down breathing. That gave me big Jurassic Park vibes where Sam Neill is leaning against the sick triceratops. <laughs> it's just like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, the all the blood, all the effects of the dogs were gory. But yeah, if you looked at it too long, you didn't notice it. And, and then I have to bring up the fact that in their field hockey game, there's a scene early on where... Bridget is on the field and she trips over the corpse of a dog that apparently has been lying in this school field all day and nobody noticed it until halfway through a field hockey game. And I was like, how? How? I I had to rewind that scene like four <laughs> times and rewatch it because I was like, did I miss something? Was there? And then no, it was just 
she trips appears. we don't know what she trips or she gets pushed into it mm-hmm. by um whatever her name is trisha uh, trisha the bully or trina trina yeah trina yeah but yeah i i thought i missed something and then it turned out no that's just the way they shot it was she gets pushed into something unknown and then we find out when we find out what it's it like is. a it's a dead rottweiler like it's, it's a big right dog. there no one saw that <laughs> yeah right Somebody's not doing their pre, you know, pre-field like safety check that you're supposed to supposed to do. <laughs> uh, the people in this movie are fucking blind. <laughs> there, there is <laughs> just they well cannot blind. see anything <laughs> till they're looking right at it. Yeah, and then the fact that when Trina confronts him at the house and she she they get into the fight in the kitchen and she slips and like dies by hitting her head on the counter. She just chucked in the deep freeze and. The mom is just like putting groceries in and it's like that classic thing where she's opening the freezer and looking away and it's like you wouldn't catch anything in your peripheral vision. You wouldn't notice like a whole ass human body sitting in your freezer. Okay, Pamela, sure. (laughs) Like, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Pamela would have been making excuses though. It's like, oh, it's just one of those props that they're using, right? Yeah. (laughs) I I liked that scene. Bridge is like, what what do guys want? (laughs) And then it cuts yeah. to the scene. It's like, oh. and that's what, and that's every guy, and all of them want, and even some that you might think are cool or fun, they're no different. It's yeah, like, it's okay, it's pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. Okay, so we we mentioned, I think Sam was his name, the guy who hits the hits the beast of Bailey Downs early on, and also is the only one who knows anything about werewolves somehow like just conveniently so what did we think about sam his name was sam right sam White? yeah because i made a sam wise the gardener joke so that's oh how I nice good one <laughs> <Right>? thanks <laughs> what'd you think of sam alex could have been could have been any other person or character that mm-hmm. did what sam did in this movie right i think sam is merely there for plot advancement and was not an interesting character at all i would say the most interesting if i can even say that part of sam was the fact that other characters perceive him differently than what is actually happening and that creates one of those more interesting dynamics that you know someone in high school could relate to Mm, because i think trina is obviously interested in sam she's like the bully but then bridget approaches sam with the lycanthrope problem, but plays it off as it's herself and not Ginger, because mm-hmm, you know right. a lot of this boils She's down to the, her sister. yeah a lot of this really just does boil down to the relationship between Bridget and Ginger. But we can get into that more later. So you know she starts talking to Sam, and it's definitely something that she's not comfortable with because it t- takes her a while to approach him, and she doesn't want to talk to him in front of other people, whether she's shy or embarrassed or whatever. But you know that's that's another relatable kind of growing up thing Mm -hmm. so people think that she's interested in sam and that sam is interested in her and that's what trina thinks but the reality is they're trying to figure out how to transform lycanthropes back into humans and (laughs) it's it's ridiculous and stupid but kind of that those relationship dynamics that people make based off of assumptions is like another kind of very relatable high school problem right or like gossip and rumors and yeah. yeah that was his one interesting thing in this movie but everything else was just like oh you're the 
you're the drug dealer who has the drug van who knows how to kill lycanthropes and you know gives her the the pure metal to put on ginger's like to pierce on ginger's belly button and then you fucking know how to breaking bad shit and you carry syringes <laughs> and you're like it, they're literally cooking like yeah in the basement they're free basing monk's bane <laughs> <or> whatever <laughs> that was a lot ridiculous completely ridiculous he's like oh not very sanitary it's like doesn't have to be we're super past sanitary yeah. at this point um, and yeah I, yeah I like that he could have basically been in an encyclopedia or google but i don't i don't know how widespread google would have been in 2000 i guess that we didn't see any of that technology but like his information about like what the cure is for lycanthropy whether it's a metal or the monk's hood she could have like been at a library looking at a book of werewolves and got that information right and and then like found the monk's bane and and figured out how to cook it but like yeah he's in there and he he knows how to make the cure and it's all fine and i i have to give him props though there's one scene towards the end where she is trying to like get ginger back to the house and he is like he's not on the same page because he doesn't have the same information as bridget does and so i think she gets attacked and so she's gonna start changing and he's like what are you doing what are you doing and she's like i'm trying to get ginger to follow me back to the house because i have more cure there and he says a line he's like how was i supposed to know that and i really like that part it's like in horror movies we talk all the time you don't communicate you don't have the information and so when he was just like how was i supposed to know you made more cure or you have more at home and you didn't tell me like (laughs) i thought that was that was great it's like yes finally someone said it (laughs) yeah i guess one other thing i appreciated about sam's character which i kind of thought about when when it happened was at the very end when she's like when ginger's making all those sexual advances on him and he's the one that says no and pushes her off you know like it's nice that they can like a movie in the 2000s also mm-hmm. was like guys can say no as well right yeah consent goes both ways yeah consent is for everyone yeah mm-hmm. but yeah other than that sam was boring sam was boring uh one last thought i have on sam and then I'll, I'll circle back to you luke but when he's dying and he's doing that sort of like really short inhales of breath over and over again it got me thinking of that scene in terminator 2 where the guy is holding the bomb uh, or he's holding the detonator and his like breath is slowing down and when it finally stops that's when the mm. when i think cyberdyne blows up i haven't yeah. seen terminator 2 in a while but it's a good movie. So again, that's the next movie, movie I'm doing on full spectrum cinema. So that'll be fun. Oh, there you go. So you can, uh, you can, now you'll have, a, now finally, Luke, you'll have a tidbit of ginger snaps to bring into conversation with Terminator Oh, yes. 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's prepared me well for that film. For sure. <laughs> what do you, what did you think about Sam? I think, yeah, Alex is right. He's like kind of boring and window dressing and just existed because the plot needed him. But I actually liked him. He might have been my favorite character, if only on the one trait, is that I found him by far and away the least obnoxious character in this movie. And so that was kind of refreshing. Like every time he was talking, it wasn't just some foul-mouthed, petty, catty, bullying, horny-as-fuck high school dude. You know, so <laughs> that was at least a, a nice reprieve from a lot of right erstwhile strange dialogue that this movie presents to us. But yeah, right. he was he was uh, I think it was um, summer camp. You used the line, Alex, it's just all so convenient, isn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, it's just yeah. all so convenient that the guy who hits his werewolf with his van 
is the most knowledgeable about the thing to kill werewolves. Sorry, lycanthropes <laughs> in this movie. It's like, okay, all right. Where did the corpse of the original lycanthrope go? Where I don't know. It, maybe it was still there, but nobody saw it because I think, I think all the cars corpses. tripped on it the rest of the movie. Of course, <laughs> they just left it there. Or like flew into the woods or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He was he was probably the most grounded person, but yeah. he was also not that interesting. Right. Well, Alex, your your question of where did the corpse of the werewolf go just reminded me about how many loose ends are in this movie. Like they're just like they don't resolve things. It seems like well, yeah, apparently the there's two more Ginger Snaps movies, right? Yes, apparently there's more Ginger Snaps movies, but. The werewolf disappears. We have a scene where, so they've, like when Trina dies, they bury her in the backyard or they bury her in the basement. And then the mom finds them and finds these fingers that have dropped off, that got broken off, the frozen fingers that dropped off in the yard. And so she's going to confront them. And so mom goes to the party at the greenhouse at the end. And then we just don't hear from her again. Like there's nothing that resolves that. She's just like lost in the party, wandering around. And then, okay, that's a wrap on Pamela. See you never. You know, we, we have this whole big scene of them making this cure twice. The first one she uses on Jeremy, Jason, Jason. doesn't matter. Jason. And so that's gone and then they make another one and then i don't even remember her using the second syringe or it like never comes back it's, like, it's just like they just had all these loose ends that they were just like no that's okay we don't need to tie these up it's it's fine you saw the werewolf it looks like a weird slimy baby urukai and <laughs> that's it movie over i guess come back for the sequel it's weird like where did everybody go like mom mom's gone dad is off eating chicken somewhere i guess we don't ever see him again but it just, it felt, you know, there's no consequences from the fact that there's a dead teacher at the school and a dead janitor in the hallway at the school. And everyone is just like, okay, like, there's no resolution, I guess is what I'm saying. No, yeah. Mom just, mom has this huge plan about rescuing the girls and burning the house and leaving dad and running away and starting new. And sounds like that was a Pamela thing more than like a werewolf thing. Like she was just like, yeah. This is why I want to burn down the house and leave my husband. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> and then she got lost at the party. Maybe the, maybe the party was really good and she just wanted to stay there. Yeah. She's just like smoking weed in the back and just being like, let me tell you about all the craft supplies I got, which, by the way, <laughs> contain real flowers. <laughs> yeah. Headbanging away. Just headbanging away. Those little, those little teeny tiny curled bangs just <laughs> every which way. <laughs> So she kills the janitor. We talked about the effects. Oh, yeah. I want to ask back about the the deep freeze. Did did all did you guys growing up have a deep freeze in your house like that? Like a giant chest freezer? Yeah. Yep. Down in the basement. That's oh, where yeah. we kept all the meats and fish and ice cream. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. All the long-term it's... freezes. Long-term freezes? Like the things that were going to be frozen long-term that we needed yeah. them. Oh, right. Okay, that that yeah. It's exactly Did you think that was a setup sounds. for a joke? <laughs> I I heard him say "long term freeze us" like rhymes with Jesus, and I was like, <laughs> "Okay, what's this? <laughs> what's Luke gonna tell me next? What hilarious <laughs> anecdote will you share now?" But nope, nothing. <laughs> well, every time I hear the word "freezer," I think of that Josh Tobin song. No, uh, yeah, Josh Tobin song. I'm a gangster that came out when I was in high school, 
and there's a line in it. It's like, I'm a gangster. I'm chill like a freezer. I don't listen to Weezer. (laughs) So that always comes to mind when freezers arise. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it seems like a very suburbs... 80s to 90s sort of growing up thing that everyone just had a chest freezer and you weren't allowed to play in it because it was dangerous and it was an appliance and you shouldn't be playing around those things but my parents told me lots of things that if you ever like went in it if it closed on you you wouldn't be able to open it up again Mm. Uh, so i was like afraid i was like so afraid of falling in the freezer and getting stuck and freezing to death when i was like the dryer just like the dryer don't play in the dryer don't play in the freezer but that would not really be my instinct to go and play around in a major appliance. Although one time I did win a game of hide and seek by hiding uh, in that freezer. I remember now. So I did. I guess I did play in the freezer. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, then what how about our final thoughts? What do we think? Uh, I guess that's me because I picked it. I'm used to just like throwing it to one of you and having you. <laughs> fumble around for a while while i think but i can't do that so yeah uh, overall actually i think talking about this movie with with you has made me like it a little bit more fondly and i can totally see how watching this when you're a teenager watching this at that time can totally be this thing like oh yeah i like this movie it spoke to me and then looking back kind of in like embarrassment but i thought that yeah i i i'm a little bit warmer on it than I thought I was going to be. And so good job. Good job, Alex. I'm still not calling it a lycanthrope, but you, you made me like this movie more. <laughs> you made me like in this movie more. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what about you, Luke? Final thoughts? I I wouldn't say I like this movie more, but I like talking about it more than talking about this movie to me was way better than watching this movie. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. I just think that, like the cheesy and campy tone of the movie fell on the wrong side of the fence for me because of how catty and bitchy and obnoxious the dialogue was. So mm, sure. the the silliness didn't land because of how grating so much of the viscera and texture of the of the characters was. Uh, it felt disjunctive to me that the mm. cheesiness cuz like there's just like we've alluded to there's so many scenes that just outrage your intuitive physics and vision of like what you would see how you would move how fast things move like you're just being so manipulated by the editing so it's like and 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 the over the topness of the gore and the violence is like okay yeah this is camp but these people are too mean for it to be like truly campy with each other ah, so yes. So I just that I noticed that, although I have to say there were maybe about three or four one liners from Ginger that I chortled at. It wasn't a full blown mm-hmm. laugh, but there was a chortle. She got some chortles out of me. So a couple little like <laughs> exhales of the a kind of, of a few like nose. a few of like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this movie yeah. is not even close to the worst movie we've ever done. I just think that very this was a uh, a difficult, not even difficult. This movie was so not made for the intersecting demographics of me. So I was very much on the outside looking in through much of it. Uh, But yeah, the practical effects were really cool. And some of the one-liners were a little bit funny. So Mm. those are my final thoughts. Very nice. Oh, I wanted to add one more thing that I remembered. Sorry, Alex, you have to wait. But the, the idea that this werewolf transformation wasn't 
like on the full moon it was like a gradual thing over the month i thought that was an interesting take on the the werewolf lore and some you know naysayers may say it's because this person is a lycanthrope and not a werewolf but i would disagree with that (laughs) i'd just say they they just changed it (laughs) yeah you would disagree (laughs) with it give give me five reasons why (laughs) don't gatekeep me in my like wanting this to be a werewolf movie (laughs) all right alex what do you got for your final final thoughts about ginger snaps well, actually, back to your point, Billy, I guess it is it is the menstrual cycle, right? Because, like, people think, oh, like, a werewolf transforms on the one night that there's a full moon. and right. But, like, the menstrual cycle, cycle happens more than one day, right? So yes. that's probably why it wasn't, like, an immediate transformation. It was changes throughout the month. Mm-hmm. All right. Insight, yes. Yes. insight time done. All right. My thoughts. Um, Isn't there even a line like sh- "careful, she's ovulating" or something like that? Yeah, yeah, in this yeah. Movie? <laughs> it's just like okay. Yeah. Not a, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess before I go into final thoughts, I just wanted to kind of talk about the relationship between Bridget and Ginger. Mm. Like they were super close in age. I think Ginger said she's almost sixteen, and Bridget just turned fifteen. So it's probably like mom gave birth and became pregnant like immediately after and like that's how close in age the two were and then obviously their their relationship was really close as well they did everything together they had a suicide pact together they talked to each other about everything and they like ginger stood up for her in field hockey which i love that it was field hockey so you you see how close-knit the relationship is and then the start of ginger going into puberty slash getting bit by the lycanthrope slash werewolf is kind of the start of the this like the relationship starts getting strained right because obvious werewolf bite aside ginger's going through changes but that bridget's not going through so bridget doesn't actually know what ginger's experiencing but Mm -hmm. ginger feels that bridget is judging her for something that's out of her control but Bridget only wants to help, but Ginger feels betrayed right. because Bridget just doesn't get it because Bridget's not going through it. And then I thought, like, I, I just kind of, like, bad dialogue aside, cheesiness aside, stupid cattiness aside, like, it was actually a really oddly sweet story of two sisters. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I found I found the very final scene where she she accidentally kills Ginger and she's lying on her and crying, like, there's an oddly touching and kind of weird symbolism that I, I enjoy. There's a human relationship with yeah. one of them transformed into a mm-hmm. monster. Which kind of leads me to my other point is like you, you go through all this trouble to go bring her, bring Ginger back home to make the cure in the syringe only to not use it at all. Only to not use it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then this, this goes back to like those horror movie things about like just not communicating because the whole the whole time after ginger gets bitten and is upset and angry because she thinks bridget betrayed her and told pamela that she started her period and bridget's like i didn't tell her i promise i didn't say anything the reality was pamela saw the underwear bridget's clothes right or ginger's clothes and that's how she figured it out like that was the one like Ginger, if you didn't want Pamela finding out, you probably shouldn't put your clothes where your mom can see them. Yeah, maybe don't put it in the laundry where your mom is like, I have to do the laundry now. That was like the biggest kind of plot (laughs) 
question outside of the many others that I had. I was like, Ginger, like, Bridget obviously didn't tell your mom. Like, you showed your mom indirectly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I like this movie. I, I like the symbolism. I like the metaphors. I like the way that they told teenagers going through puberty. I like the kind of absurdity contrast of the two characters. You have the dad that's completely doesn't want to talk about things, doesn't want to listen about things, can't relate to his daughters. And then you have the mom that wants so bad for her daughters to talk to her and how authority figures, whether it be parents or, or, or teachers or nurses at schools, just kind of paint a broad brush that everyone's going through the same thing and it's normal and yeah if we really took the time to talk to the individual about what their actual fears are what what they're going through on an individual level instead of making assumptions right well and we you know we've talked about this before and it's like from a training of of our work where it's like working with kids when a kid comes to you bringing a problem, it's a big deal to them, even if it's not like a big deal to you, right? Like, so, you know, to have an adult be like, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, that's nothing. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's fine. It's totally alienating to kids who are just trying to like, you know, reach out and get guidance. And even if it is something that is like objectively or, you know, in the in the grand scheme of the world, not world ending, not a life changing event, by just like putting those assumptions on kids, it's pretty shitty, and yeah. like it's like you desire it's a des- from a desire to do good, but it is like it's still pretty shitty to just be like, oh no, that's not a real problem. Don't worry about it. Yeah, like, it's, and then that sucks. You know, when you when you undermine those problems or you, when you paint them as not a big deal, kid grows up thinking, oh, like you either don't care about my problem or you don't think it's worth solving, and that's or what you're not cause- someone I can talk to. Yeah, yeah, and then that's what causes these young teenagers to not want to talk to people that care about them about their problems because you know in the past you know i bet in the past of ginger snaps mom and dad really undermined their problems and that's why they don't want to talk to their parents about things anymore right and it was like very much like it's just you and me you and me against the world like that was the whole ginger and bridget thing Mm -hmm. yeah i mean for for being such a weird goofy movie it was oddly deep but mm-hmm. yeah do either of you like should... ginger snaps like i liked cookie. it yeah, no the, the cookie? cookie oh yeah yeah the cookie's good i, I don't mind them they're good mm. depends on how gingery they are like if they're real spicy it's it's a lot but i, I don't like, like hard cookies no you're mm. a soft cookie man yeah i like i like snickerdoodles mm. those have those ginger in them soft. right i think so yeah i, I like ginger like ale i like ginger ale ginger ale's good I like using ginger to cook, like in a stir fry. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of cookies, it's time to talk about the scariest part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And mine is just the the shock of when Trina slips on the, the cookie dough and the milk or whatever spills on the floor on the kitchen floor and bangs her head on that corner, the like sharpest Island corner in the world. And just like, she's out like that, like sucked all the oxygen out of the room. When we were watching it made me sit up, made me like, go like, Oh, Holy shit. Like even more than the, the like dead dogs and the 
gore and stuff like that part was just like so shocking that it's it's got to be my scariest part of the movie what about yours alex yeah i think the physical violence of this was like really strong like in in the field hockey when she breaks sam's arm the the counter slip those Mm. were like very visceral heavy sound effects and like it looked like they were actually hitting stuff but i think this movie overall wasn't that scary so i'm gonna have to pull it to the what we did with the fly was grossest part of the movie sure yeah for me that was when bridget bridget's trying to show ginger that she's still like she's on her side and she she's trying to be an ally or whatever and she starts drinking sam's blood oh yeah yeah at the at the end and then she's like she throws it up and it's like i can't do this that was so gross to me i'm like so gross (laughs) like even even if it's like corn syrup you're still like taking up off the ground in this dusty dirty basement oh so it was the the setting of where she was drinking the blood if it was on a plate it'd be different (laughs) yeah if it was a sanitized you know if it was a red solo cup that's straight out of the package maybe that would have been better (laughs) okay i get it all right luke what about you oh man it's got to be when sam hit the werewolf and lost his vehicle because at that point you know with it being broken he had nothing to steer (laughs) (laughs) he's been meaning to fix that though (laughs) no i would say i would say there were no scary parts in this movie and the gross parts were so over the top that they were like um, so i think the i'll put it to this instead of scariest part of the movie i have the most uncanny part of the movie and the most uncanny part of the movie was when we see the full ginger werewolf and i'm just like what the fuck is that (laughs) <laughs> that yes, doesn't yeah. even look like anything. <laughs> Did it look so, like a lycanthrope, though? <laughs> I had I had no cognitive priors to place it anywhere, so I was it was most mm. uncanny part was how Ginger looked in full lycanthropiness. Okay, alrighty. Well, then we're going to rate this movie, and I am going to pick yard fingers with which to rate it out of. So out of five yard fingers. <laughs> and watching this movie what watching this movie was a was a two out of five but talking about it is going to increase it for me up to a full point so i'm gonna up this one to a three out of five yard fingers because yeah reflecting on it some of the themes as heavy-handed as it was are, are pretty cool and i can forgive some of the goofiness because it's just like yeah that's what teenagers are like they're weird goofy angsty monsters (laughs) alex yeah i wish there was a formula that even i knew about what like at what line does a stupid dumb movie that has bad characters at what point do i not like it and at what point do i do like it you know because there's been tons of really stupid campy movies that we've done on this pod that i've hated but Mm. for some reason this one i really liked yeah it just reminds me of all those kind of high school teen movies that i really enjoy yeah once again with it this being the earliest one out of all of those that i listed like super curious if they took inspiration from this as well mm, yeah so i i don't know why i liked this movie <laughs> so i'm gonna it's give inevitable. it yeah like it. 3.75 what was your thing found yard fingers yard fingers, fingers yard, out of five yard fingers <laughs> yeah cool cool 
I'm obviously the dissenting voice on this, and that's fine. <laughs> I don't need to re- relitigate all of the reasons I don't think that this movie is very good. But also, one I didn't mention that I think is worth pointing out is this movie was too long. It was an hour and 48 minutes, and the last act, the third act, was a, was about 15 minutes too long. It just... The, I will the, agree the, it is a bit the long. Fi- yeah. The final confrontation between Bridget and Ginger was so drawn out and and so much tension put in of like i'm here no i'm not i'm here i'm gonna get you this time oh no not actually this time oh i'm here again nope not this time oh we're going to a different part it's just okay they really wanted to show how much work (laughs) and effort they put into making the lycanthrope yeah yeah Mm, yeah so like we did such a good job with this we got to show it as much as possible well i mean Funnily enough, pacing wasn't a critique I had of this movie until the third act. And mm, then it just fair enough. and then it dragged. So all of those things on board that I've said throughout it, I'm gonna give this one zero point seven five yard fingers Ooh. out of five yard fingers. I think that might be one of our widest spreads on ratings, mm-hmm. but I'll have to leave that to some dedicated fan to spreadsheet our some nothing to fear nerd <laughs> to... no one no one <laughs> billy spreadsheet if you don't do greatest. that nobody will <laughs> i promise you i will not be the one to do that because i don't have the time to all right but i do have the time and you think someone out there does okay <laughs> i don't know somebody <laughs> anyway Sorry, if if your if your greatest hobby and most dedication and time is to go back in every episode and spreadsheet out our scores, thank you for listening. <laughs> I would be honestly curious to see. Yeah, I would I would be totally interested to see what what it is and why. And I wonder if I would change anything. But anyway, I don't have time. Would to that, do that count right now, as what... uh, would that count as nothing to fear? Toxic fandom. <laughs> that would be actually <laughs> maybe you know. <laughs> You could probably go back to every episode and just find inconsistencies in our ratings. Like, why the fuck oh, would you sure. rate it this way and not that way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Every episode's different. Every episode's a new delight. Anyway, I think we're going to move into the something to cheer section. And mine is not TV or movie related for once in my goddamn life. But as a couple weeks ago, I let people know that I started working part time at the West Island LGBTQ plus center as a drop in coordinator and just being around kids again. You know, I had my first shift on Wednesday at the time of recording and just talking to kids was great. And I forgot how weird they are. They're a little bit older and I was immediately called out on something I've done with kids for the entire time of working with it, where when they're into something that I have no idea about it, all I do is pretend I know what they're talking about. Mm. So this one kid was, you know, I I did it with like working with clubs for years where I didn't know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh or Bakugan or whatever, but a kid who's excited talking about it. Not one damn thing. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a white, blue eyes dragon or something. I don't know. It's a blue eyes white dragon. Okay. Okay. Right. Sorry. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, like, but when kids would be excited about it, I'd be like, "Yeah, no, totally. That's so awesome. I'm, I know exactly what you're talking about." Or I'll just parrot back to them what they said, and it works with little kids because they don't notice. Mm-hmm. But it does not work with teenagers because I was doing that, <laughs> and one of the kids they said to me, "They're like, you know, Billy, you're really good at pretending to know what this kid's talking about." I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit, you got me." <laughs> You fucking got me. <laughs> that's funny. So, yeah, that's what I'm cheering. Just like working with youth. I missed it more than I realized and can't wait to spend some more quality time at the center in the summer. Uh, Luke, why don't you go second? Mm. 
Well, my cheer is TV related, and I don't want to go too deep into spoilers because I don't know if the two of you are finished it or not, but I finished watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Oh, yeah. I finished. Yep, you I finished? finished? Okay. I, I also, always finish. Well, I won't want to give spo- <laughs> Yeah. I want to give spoilers in detail, but as the two of you know, something I've talked a lot about a, a lot about Star Wars is whether or not you like the prequels. I found them kind of mangling of some of the plot points of the original trilogy in a way that was unnecessary. And one of the huge ones is obviously the connection of Obi-Wan Kenobi to Anakin, Darth Vader, Princess Leia, like, and, and not to retread old ground. I just would say that's because the original trilogy was made without any uh, idea of an expanded universe or more storytelling. So Mm -hmm. some of the ham fisted plot points were fine because we weren't going to get like on screen versions of anything that would affect any of that stuff. And, I really felt like the show, the the Obi-Wan show itself was entertaining, but a little bit understated, which is fine. You don't need mm-hmm. over the top adventure Star Wars all the time. But what I really liked about it was its awareness of how important some of the plot points that fell flat in A New Hope after some of the later movies um, and, and just trying to iron out some of that stuff. And it's so nerdy and stupid, but I really appreciated the effort and the awareness mm-hmm. of this show's writing team that that for the people who love the original trilogy and don't want to be toxic about it, but are still a little bit like arms crossed, impatient with some of the decisions made in the plot writing room of the prequels. Sure. I really liked how they ironed out some of the things, especially with the relationship between Obi-Wan and Leia and Bail Organa. So that's my cheer. Hey listeners, you're familiar with this by now, I'm sure, but we spent about 10 minutes talking about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus here, and because it's full of spoilers, I put it behind the Patreon paywall, so if you'd like to hear our discussion about the entire series of Obi-Wan, you can head over to patreon.com slash nothing to fear, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can subscribe and hear that. There's a lot of other good stuff on there too, so come in, join the Patreon. The water's very nice in here. Back to the show. Anyway, that's a long. That's a thank you for your cheer, Luke. I'm probably gonna cut that out and put it somewhere else. But if you want to hear our thoughts on Obi Wan, Patreon.com/slash Nothing to Fear. We'll put it there. Alex, what are you cheering? My cheer is on Friday. I went to a show, Joyce Manor. Mm-hmm. Everything about me now hated what I thought was gonna happen because, like. They weren't coming on till 1230, so it was so late, and 10 years ago I would have been so excited, but I was like, I really want to see them, but like, it's going to be so late, I'm going to be tired, and I just want to go to bed. Almost 30. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I got there, and I fucking, I moshed, I got a beer poured on me, I fucking, you know, like, I was in it, and it was so fun, it was the most fun I've had since the pandemic, great show, a lot of fun. So that's my cheer. Just being young again and being around people. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All good fun. Forever young. All right. Forever young. All right. So that'll do us for another week of Nothing to Fear. Thanks so much for listening. We'll wrap up the show now. And if you like what you hear and you want to hear more of that, we do have a Patreon that has some little snippets, some trailer reactions, 
a lot of talk about Obi-Wan in the last couple of weeks. And you can go and find all that content on patreon.com slash nothing to fear. A minimum $1 a month will get you in that door and you can access that. And you can also help support the show. So uh, yeah, so you can do that. You can uh, tell friends about us, tell, tell other people to listen to the show. We have a lot of fun making it and we think you'll have a lot of fun listening to it. So do that. You can rate us and review us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe, like, download, do all of the things, please and thank you, because it helps us grow. And thank you, yeah, thank you, Alex and Luke, for coming on board every week and doing the show with me. Thank you to everyone who's made artwork for the show in the past, Alex for the music, and for putting up with my crazy themes and you know throwing curveballs at you all the time if you would like to follow the show you can do so at nothing to fear podcast on instagram you can do it at ntf pod on twitter and uh, nothing to fear podcast on instagram is probably the best way to get like what shows we're watching what movies are coming out information about the show there so you can do that and follow me i'm at design billy on instagram and all the things you can follow along with what alex is listening to at one song a day on Instagram. W-A-N. All one word. Obi-Wan song a day. Mm-hmm. No, there's Did no. I, I, I only just realized Obi-Wan Kenobi has Obi in it twice. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Okay. That's why in my phone you are saved as Alex Wan Kenobi. And it's like begins with Obi and ends with Obi. No, but the... the Billy, that has nothing to do with my point. <laughs> Lycanthropes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you know in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, it takes place, the opening scene takes place at Club Obi-Wan as a direct nod to Star Wars. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. <laughs> what a great time. Luke, where can people encounter you? <laughs> if they live in Nelson, they can listen to Full Spectrum Cinema at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Cooney Co-op Radio, 93.5 FM. With me, other Dave, and other Alex talking about films. <laughs> this Tuesday, we taught is going to be RoboCop. We watched RoboCop, Ooh, which is yes, why I picked yes. T T two Judgment Day. You know, we're getting into these eighties and nineties action movies. I love that. Is there a podcast feed for that or no? It's a there's a mixed cloud, so it's not a feed. It's a right. link and right, right, right. embedded files in that link, so you have to search for it. Okay. So. Aren't those the same thing? No, no well, because not. the podcast feed, you like you find them through the apps like Spotify or Apple. But this one, you have to search through the website and find it and like listen. You can't. I guess you could listen through your phone, but it's a little bit more cumbersome. Yeah, yeah. So you like get bitten. You get bitten through the feed with a lycanthrope, mm-hmm. and you get bitten through the app with a werewolf. That's right. It's different. Yeah, a little bit. That didn't really work. Did <laughs> no. It hasn't worked all episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully the priest can expatiate you from all of your lib sins. <laughs> That's just a podcasting feed joke for all of the podcasters out there. <laughs> this isn't a deep freezes <laughs> reference, is it? <laughs> now it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody listens to Weezer. Okay, okay. so... <laughs> Wow, that joke is like a double reference of a joke I made of things that nobody knows about. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, Frieza's Christ. <laughs> he he froze for our sins. So, sorry, he froze for our lip sins. He froze on the third day. <laughs> for our lip sins. 
And then also Really True Fiction and The Liberal Soul, available on podcast apps. And I'm really proud of uh, the last two episodes of Liberal Soul. I have uh, I did a two-parter on the book, The Constitution of Knowledge by Jonathan Rausch, which is, in my opinion, a liberal defense of epistemology, which I think is really mm. interesting and cool. The study of knowledge. So cool, cool. that's where you can find me. Find those things. All right. And we have got one more kick at the can for Canada Month. And Luke, oh, really? uh, I believe it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't we got one five? more one more Canadian episode. Because you get two one. picks. I, yeah, I just think uh, you get This is one the third one. For... No, 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 no. We did Cube. We did The Fly. We yeah. did Ginger Snaps. This, this is the fourth. Oh. And then this there should four. be one more for Canada. No, July only uh, has four Mondays. Yeah, oh, it July's does? only got four Mondays. Yep. Oh, okay. Because okay. so the last day I'm, of July... I'm literally looking at the calendar. So right the now. last day of yeah. July is a Sunday. Okay. Okay. Yes. So this is the last yeah. one. Got it. Oh, lucky <laughs> me. Lucky me that I get two Canadian ones. Ah. You get to open it and close it. Woohoo. So happy about this. <laughs> well, maybe to end the month on a whimper. Who knows? But I, I didn't even know that this was a Canadian film until I just searched canadian horror movies and a lot of movies come up mm-hmm. that don't feel like they're canadian like if you look far enough you'll find like insidious <laughs> as great canadian yeah because like the, the one what? the one uh, gaffer is born <laughs> yeah, in exactly. prince albert or whatever exactly. right? yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah but one that apparently counts because wikipedia says so is next week we're going to watch the 2011 found footage film grave encounters oh never heard uh, of it I've seen it once cool. before. I guess I won't say what anything it's about if you've never seen it. Not at all. I remember First time mildly it. liking it. So M- Mild's good for me. We haven't done. It's definitely more. I have to write that down because I'll forget it. Yeah, Grave grave Encounters. It's more of the found footage ilk than the last one we did, Lake Mungo. So more, more of okay. that. Okay, we, we can always rely on you for a good found footage, Luke. Or at least a found footage. A fan footage. Okay, (laughs) so tune in next week. And remember, folks, they're just movies. There's nothing to fear.